Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 139. My name is Ian McEwen, like the author, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Tom Smiley. And we're here to talk about live legacy tournaments. That we both were at. I can't wait to talk about our common opponent, who you like completely gaslighted and were very rude to this is this is gonna be so outstanding dude he was such a bro too I, I can't remember his name on the top of my head but he was like uh we were talking about college football and like we we're just you know broing down and then uh i didn't i didn't mean to slight him but yeah bro this was uh this was a great weekend i honestly I have to give it up for the legacy pick guys like first just get that off my chest man like 10 out of 10 in my opinion Oh, the fact that they ran, like, a 400-person event uh, with everybody really, like, complying with the mask policy, how it was, like, a great time to be at and everything was set up perfectly. I, like, I had a blast. Bro, the feature match area was Star City quality. Dude, there was, was, like, having the championship belt and the nice chairs, like, the feature match area was nicer than Star City. Like, I've been been in both, and... uh, uh, yeah, the feature match area was nicer than Grand Prix feature matches. I'm not even going to lie. It was just it's perfect. Definitely. The cam- camera angles on the faces, the tablet in the middle, uh, the nice chairs, the setup, the lighting. Like, the production value of that was insane. I was so looking forward to going back and watching the VOD, but I'm not sure if it got messed up because the power went out or if they're, like, they're they're putting it on their YouTube channel with, like, better production value. Ah. Um, but I wanted to go back and watch my match, and I guess it's not up yet. Gotcha. Yeah, I was actually, I was thankful for that. I thought maybe it, it uh, gloriously, or uh, not gloriously, but uh, fortuitously maybe got got deleted. <laughs> and I didn't have to go back and watch my feature match. But uh, yeah, but whatever happens with that. But I just, you know, Travis, uh, Decent, all those guys, just, you know, phenomenal job. It was like, you know, Star City quality. for the, For running your first event like that, and events where the the hotel and the venue are the same thing are just mm-hmm. are just the best ones, right? They are like my favorite place to play Magic. Uh, sorry, Pit guys, you guys came close, but it's the um, it's the the gaming etc. Right outside of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's sorry, the cas- it's the casino right outside of Philly that had the bunch of Star Cities at that had like the steakhouse and the gambling and everything right there. Uh, and you just took an elevator up to your room, and like, you, you were absolutely right. Those are the best places to play. Yeah, and this one had like a very, uh, very '90s vibe to it too. Like uh, the the hotel decor, the I don't know, the something about it felt like a little nostalgic too to me. Uh, okay, you can just call it dated. Yeah, a little bit dated, but it's fine. It's, it's a, it a little, but it was also affordable, right? So there's. Like, oh yeah, I mean the price. The price was good. The only thing that. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed about was the power going out because it, right. it cut off the AC everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so that was the only thing that I would have said, like, hey, listen, maybe this could have gone a little better, but, like, it's a power outage. You can't say, like, yeah, it would have been great without the power going out, but I, it was it was still awesome. Yeah, definitely. I, I legitimately have supreme faith in those guys. I don't know. I mean, I'm a little concerned. We probably shouldn't even get into this. I don't want to just touch this uh, – forbidden topic but i would be concerned that they might have lost some money i haven't talked to them about this at all but like they they paid out really generously too i i told them when you know privately asked about this that i didn't think that 
they needed to even pay out as much as they did to, to fill the, the event, but they paid out very generously. The accommodations were great. I think, you know, they did an excellent job. So, yeah, I mean, like I, I didn't try to estimate any of the math. I think like that's, that's not anything yeah. I was worried about. Yeah. I was very happy to pay the entry fee. Exactly. Uh, I was very happy with the tournament and I got to play magic in person for the, for the first time in a really long time because I, I haven't played Magic in person in like a year and a half. Bro, you made a comment that was like uh, it took you a couple hours or something. I can't remember what you said, but like it took you it a couple. Like it, it took me a couple hours to get used to like interacting with people again. Yeah. And like the first two hours of the day, I was like, oh shit, like I'm around a bunch of people. Like I have to be social. Like what? It took me a while to warm up to like to being like that again. Yeah, that see that's funny uh, that you said that because like I, I figure you're in school like you're used to being around people. I didn't feel weird at all, but after you guys left and like I was traveling home and then I, I was home, I felt like severely different, dude. Like I felt completely like rejuvenated, like my spirit. I remember when the pandemic started, I was like, this is the vacation that introverts have always dreamed of. Like we're not gonna have to talk to anyone. I'm just gonna, you know. <laughs> And now I'm in, like, the opposite, uh, you know, realm or whatever. Like, I felt so rejuvenated by that socialization that, like, you know, 48 hours or whatever. It was so great. And I kind of felt the same way with the work from home. I was, like, so pumped about it at first. And then when we finally got back into teaching in the classroom, I was like, all right, this is just better. And, like, yeah, I'm around kids all the time, but that's not, like, a real social situation. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I don't. I just, maybe I just don't consider them people. But like you, you know what I mean. It's it's work. It's different. Yeah. Like my wife was like, "Oh, you're so chatty." Like last night, you know, when when she got back from her trip and I was back, she's like, "You're so chatty. You seem like you know, so so like you know." She was like, "Are you high?" Is what she actually said. <laughs> and uh, I was like, "No, I'm just happy. You know, I just I just feel good. You know, I feel." And I uh, you and you know, were also high. Yeah, I was high. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that. That's without bearing the lead anymore. That you know, that's sort of how I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling great. This was an awesome weekend, and uh, I feel like this is a familiar pattern. Now we've done this a few times, where my tournament uh, this time just didn't start out too well and didn't last as long as yours. So I think we'll go through mine first in a little shorter. Uh, detail and then get into yours in a little more detail because it was more relevant. Well, I mean, like you've had the tournaments where you've gone deep and I and I haven't. It's right? Been, yeah. The other way a lot. Yeah, so. but there's like two of those and three of the others. <laughs> I think <laughs> if we're getting technical. So yeah, my my event. Obviously, our listeners are probably somewhat familiar with my preparation for this event. I've been playing less Legacy, uh, you know, fewer games than I have for any of the other tournaments we played in. And I just, you know, was so sold on your description of your deck at the Leaving a Legacy that I pretty much just played your deck. I made a few sideboard edits, but I was pretty sold. You lost the Cataclysm. I was disappointed. Yeah. uh, Yeah. And so was I in the end. But I was sold on, you know, Ragavan just being busted, Stoneforge being familiar, cantrips and Force of Wills and all that. I knew how to play those cards. So I figured, all right. But the truth of it is, it, it's really a different philosophy, right? Because with you, it's like, you know, you put these good cards in a deck, and as long as they're all good cards, you're going to play well with them. 
with me, I'm like at best an average actual player of of Magic, you know, compared to other legacy players. You know, I'm, I'm at best average, I guess, and where I get, you know, my edge is through these like kind of wonky metagame calls and swinging for the fences with like sideboard plans and stuff and, and leveling. And I really was in no position to be doing any of that. So I, I'm just like the the grinder coming in, you know, give me the best cards. And that's not me. Like I'm, I'm not the best player. So just like taking the best cards doesn't really work for me is what I learned. I got uh, you. Well, for anybody who watched my death and taxes match, there were some questions <laughs> that we'll talk about later. So maybe maybe you don't want to put me up on a pedestal because I yeah. uh, no, I you, would have taken a few things back for sure. I just mean like philosophically, you know, and I'm using yeah. you because you're you're on the cast with me and you're in the situation. But there are other people obviously in the same sort of place, right? Yep. But I game one, I get I get called for the feature match on camera. So that that's cool. That, that I really, you know, that's awesome that Travis gave that to me, and you know, we were joking around about the chairs and everything. And you know, was, it was really cool that they like they planned out exactly what was going to happen. They were like, "Listen, yeah. we got to get this guy on early, <laughs> and we can wait a little bit for everything else." Exactly, let it develop. <laughs> uh, so I was playing against Patrick Green, who I guess is a former Eternal Weekend champion. And yeah, he played Miracles. Yep. Was uh, he was he the person who played against um Cyrus? Yeah, yes. I don't know. I can't remember. So Maybe anyway. He was, he was in that three year period, I guess. Yeah, wasn't it like Esper Miracles that game? Anyway. Maybe? Yeah. Anyway. The the point of the matter is I'm playing against a very good player. Yep. And game one, I I just had it this was. sensation. Sorry, I just looked it up. Yes, yeah, it was. Sorry. Okay. I thought it was, but I wasn't positive. I didn't want to disrespect whoever it was if, it, if I was wrong. But anyway, I had this sensation because I'm playing against a good player with, like, normal cadence and everything, and I'm just, like, trying to remember how to shuffle and whatever. <laughs> and I had a sensation like I was just playing cards that were in my hand. You know what I mean? Like, I was just sort of going through the motions and just playing these cards out and running into the the answers that I should have been playing around or whatever like i was just sort of throwing cards around but he was playing i talked to uh jeremy tibbetts last week about the bant deck because if i couldn't get ragabands i was going to play it and he was recommending this loam version with the wastelands yep the one that brian Koval ended up playing yeah and i liked it i i thought two wastelands was a lot but i did like it like in theory and then when we went to sideboarding you know i lost game one and when we went to sideboarding i was like man wait a second with the Wastelands and the Loam package, like, my sideboard plan isn't even going to work for this deck. I can't play it like a Delver vs. Miracles where I take advantage of the hand size limit to not let him get up on cards because we're both staying at 7. So, like, I don't even know how I can possibly win this game is how I went into thinking about game 2. And then, of course, I lost game 2 as well. So that, that was pretty quick, and I deserved to lose it. I think it was a bad matchup anyway. But I didn't play particularly well, and I mulliganed, I think. But, uh, yeah, I, I just I lost, and I deserved to lose. Game, or round two, we're hanging out with our buddy. I finally met Robert Wilson, and we're hanging out. Yeah, he's a... <laughs> For the first time, first he, time you ever met him, right? Yeah, I, I honestly did not remember. When I saw his face, I was like, yeah, I don't think I've ever met this kid before, but... Now, do you remember what happened before you actually met Robert Wilson for the first time? We went to Cracker Barrel, so we uh, <laughs> we 
get paired. We're, we're like talking. We're shooting this shit about my matchup because he was watching. He was burdening like the game too. And we check our phones and we're paired against each other. And obviously he's the creator of this deck. I'm the... Uh, the person who's also Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck, you know. But I, I do have the advantage of knowing his sideboard plan because you showed me the... He printed, uh, he printed it out yeah, for us. Yeah. <laughs> so... Game one, I lose. I don't play well. And then game two, finally, like, I bolt to five, but, like, whatever it was clicked in my head where it's like, okay, now I'm playing Magic. Like, I was making plans again and, like, thinking about the cards in his deck and my deck and thinking about how the answers were going to line up. Like, I was actually playing at my my normal level by, game Mm -hmm. like, game two of that match. And it was actually, it turned out to be, like, you know, a, a much closer game. Uh, despite, you know, I mulled the five on the play, which was unfortunate, but I, I did have a chance to pull that one out. And, you know, Robert played obviously really well, and he deserved to win that one. It was justice. Uh, it always sucks losing to a listener, but I definitely deserved that one. So good for Robert, and he had a good tournament. And then I rebounded against Bant. Um I, unfortunately, I was a little discouraged at this point in time, so I stopped writing down my opponent's names. But I, I won in two against a Bant deck without Loams, and that those games went pretty much according to the plan, the way that I thought hoped that they would, I guess. Uh, round four, I played against uh, a podcast listener. Unfortunately, I was still not writing down names, but a uh, really cool dude. I put him on Doomsday. I made like the soul read before... It started just like, you know, because he was a listener, I felt like he was entitled to the, to knowing what my soul read was. And I said, Doomsday. And he's like, not even close. And he was playing Karn Echo, like Urza stuff, Blue blue okay. Echo. So it's an LED deck. Like, I feel like not even close was a bit of an overstatement. But anyway. I mean, it's, it's kind of a hybrid combo deck. So like, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely not Doomsday. But. Yeah, uh, and I had very good draws in this game. I had I had two Ragavan games against uh, my round four opponent, mm. and uh, and one of them I hit Chalice with the first Ragavan hit, yeah, and just that. threw okay. it on we'll zero. We'll talk about that when we get to my my round. Yeah, that was really unfortunate. I felt bad because you know, oh Larry was his name. I just remembered. So yeah, I felt bad about that. Round five, I was playing against a really nice kid named Ian. And he was playing a bug dreadnought list, which was really interesting, you know, dress down and all the new stuff that, that dreadnought can do. I really enjoyed. Was it, was it playing like an Urza Saga package? I've seen a few of those lists that were like hybrid stifle knot. I did not see that. All right. I did see Abrupt Decays, Veil of Summer, Tarmogoyfs. All right. It yeah, was... I, think, I thought I saw like a. Some sort of standstillish stifle knot hybrid with Urza Saga. Gotcha. Maybe I'm just going crazy, but well, this one was like Plague Engineers and stuff, and it was you know it seemed like a pretty mid rangey stifle knot deck that was you know reasonably tuned for the metagame, I thought, but I just was able to keep it off mana. So, yep, I won that one. Round six, so now I'm three two. I'm feeling good. Like I've I've actually played like you, you rebounded a little bit. Yeah, I felt like I was yeah. playing up to my potential and like getting comfortable and everything. Uh, this is also around when the power flickers, but round six, I'm playing against uh, our mutual opponent Brian, who is on now red listen, black. Yeah. Are we going to tell the story about you gaslighting him right now or later? 
Well, it didn't happen till the end, I guess. So okay, okay. He sits down. He's like, I was like, oh, where'd you come from? He's like, um, Michigan, I think. And and uh, I was like, oh yeah, I came from Cleveland. And he, or I said Ohio, I think. He's like, oh, are you Ohio State? I was like, no. He's like, okay, good. I'm Michigan. <laughs> We're talking about like the game and Anthony Brown. You know, Oregon beat Ohio State. Whatever. We're just shooting the shit. He's a cool guy. Turn one, you know, he's on the play. He turned one, unmasks me, and, you know, it's fucking Red Black Reanimator. And he sees my hand, which doesn't have any counter magic, but does have a Caracas and a, and a plow and I think two plows, actually. So anyway, I win game one against Red Black Reanimator, which shouldn't happen. I only had one surgical on the board. And a containment priest were really my only dedicated hate cards. And I got punished. I, I mulliganed a couple times and didn't really see the cards I needed to see. And he played it very well. And yeah, I, I lost both post-board games against Red Black, which I felt was a, a little unfortunate. But, you know, he played it very well and no complaints, really. Yeah, uh, I think the sideboard, uh, the sideboard definitely isn't as well set up to fight against graveyard decks just because that's not like currently what we like planned on seeing. Right, right. So it, it, we were obviously a little light. We'll talk about that later. Yep. Round 7, I'm playing against uh, a dude from Montana, from from Bozeman, Montana. Uh this dude Garrett, he's playing blue red Delver, which you know, that was one of the matchups I'd really thought about. And the games went pretty much according to plan. Uh, I he took game two on the play. I took game three on the play. Uh, you know, I basically just got wasted off lands, and he got wasted off lands in game three. So it's you know what what it's supposed to be, what's supposed to happen happened. And then round eight, I was playing against uh, Will, also on blue red Delver, and this time I got wasted off lands, and I I really probably my my worst misplay of the day was in game two. I was just so disgusted with myself for a, a stupid line I took that I forgot to daze the next turn when I could have just dazed his Ragavan coming down and we would have both basically been top decking. Yep, you would like tilt past. And yeah. Then you, didn't, you didn't have it register mentally until it was already his turn. You're like, what? Like, what is going on? Exactly. And it was like way too late to daze it at that point. I was just like, oh, fuck. You know, it's, this is over, whatever. So that was, uh, Oh, yeah, but round seven, I forgot to say. After the game, my opponent's like, oh, I feel like I know your name from somewhere. And my whole life, like, I've had English teachers say this, where, like, there's the famous novelist, like, best-selling novelist Ian McEwen, who wrote Saturday and Atonement and many other books. I actually think he's extremely overrated. I read both those books I just named, and neither of them struck me as anything even worthwhile. Like, it's like the quality that I would picture your average English degree college person writing at. Like, I feel like this is the most overrated I've ever seen. And I would like to like this guy because he has the same name as me, but he's just not a good author, in my opinion. Like, there's nothing redeeming about his work whatsoever. I, I didn't know we turned into an English lit podcast. Yeah, I'm sorry, but the, no, yeah, we're good. brief we're good. aside, and I might have told him this too. But anyway, so <laughs> you know, I, I figured this this guy not only is this guy you know pretty Chad, but he's also a fan of literature because he's he recognizes my name. So that was my tournament. 
and we'll, now we'll get to the the main event. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, obviously, like you you had a rough start, and the I think that when you pick up a new deck, your confidence in how you play and how you're performing with it sort of depends on your first few rounds, where you're like, okay, like you get that that confirmation bias that the deck is good because you're winning your matches and you feel good about it and you trust your decisions and all that. And I had like five really good rounds of playing the deck before I brought it to the pit. Right. And like you're playing it cold, and we do, we both haven't played a ton of Legacy. Um, well, I, I yeah, but I think four 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 is exactly what I deserved. Like I I played a deck that I think was an average choice for me, and I think I played very mediocrely, and I deserved to be exactly four four. You know. I got so you. I feel like I finished exactly where I deserved, and I was fine with that. Yep. Okay, well, I mean, like, we'll talk about my event, and then we'll talk about, like, yeah, our yeah. after-event event, which, honestly, I can't I can't wait to talk about. We'll talk about <laughs> the magic stuff. Like, we're, yeah. we're, we're going to do that for sure. But uh, I had such a fun time being out at an event just with other people again. I missed it. Like, I absolutely missed it. And it didn't it didn't matter how far I had to travel, like, the, the 10-hour drive in the rain and the garbage traffic. Uh <laughs> But once I got to the hotel, I was like, I just, I missed this. Bro, wait, hold on. You you mentioned 10-hour drive. Someone told me that it was a five-hour drive from Cleveland. Okay, so listen. We, uh, because of the World of Warcraft situation, I had to (laughs) not take Friday off work. Uh So I picked up Rodney and Malden around 3.30 or 4. So we were Malden through through, uh, Boston through through 93 and the Pike in rush hour. So we we basically it basically took us two hours to get to Worcester before we even got on eighty four, um, wow. and it was just it was just nuts the whole way. Damn. Well, yep. if I knew it was only five hours from Cleveland, I still don't know how that's possible. Like that's I guess that's proof that the Earth really is a globe, then, right? Because it must be that you know it's not exactly north south from New York to DC. It's actually you know more like southwest. And yeah, and it, I mean it was Frederick. Frederick was definitely not DC. Right, like it was, right, true. It's, it's we uh, north. we had to stop in Philly on the way down to pick up some cards for Rodney, and uh, it was a little bit of a detour, so we weren't we weren't direct either. Right, for sure. So like it's sort of like you know, do you know which state in the U.S. is closest to Africa? Uh, I'd want to say something like North Carolina, maybe. Maine. Oh, okay. That's uh, that's weird. Because of the curvature of the Earth, right? So it's like the U.S. really sticks out a lot farther than you think it does at the top. I gotta, I gotta look this up. Yeah, that's okay. a fact. My my awful, my awful guess of North Carolina, which is that was a better terrible. guess than I've ever got. Usually, people say Florida. Obviously, sometimes people say Texas, and then sometimes people will say Hawaii or Alaska. Because well, I, think I figured it's a question. I figured North Carolina jutted out the most at the at the spot where I would think if you went straight across you you get to Africa. Right. Like no, where, that's what I'm saying. That's but, the best guess I've ever heard. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I don't feel bad about it. But that's uh that's crazy to hear. It's Maine. Yeah. But anyway, okay. yeah. So so that's uh, I guess that's the same thinking behind Cleveland only being five hours from Maryland. But yeah, there you go. Dispelling, dispelling flat earthers. Yeah, for now. So, so anyway. Oh, we want to talk about my event. Yeah. Okay, so I made a few changes to the deck from the Leaving Legacy tournament. 
Uh, they were minor. One, uh, I just, like, everybody figured out that Murktide was way better than we gave it credit for, and I bumped up the Murktide count to three and cut the expressive iteration. Um, which, which might have been the wrong card to cut, but it was, it was the right card to add. I think going forward, I, I definitely want to play four Murktide to find room for that, uh, for sure. I added the extra land because I did feel like at the Leaving a Legacy event, uh, I was fortunate with my mana base and yeah. having a 19th land and ended up being helpful when I wanted to cast some of the spells that I wanted to cast. I, I feel like it's still not 100% that I wanted to run it, um, but, I, but I made the decision to play the extra land, so it would de decrease my chances of having mana issues. Uh, and then I made some changes in the sideboard, and uh, and that was pretty much it. It was like the same deck. I was running it back. I didn't lose a game at the Leaving a Legacy event. And I sit down for my round one opponent, Andrew, uh, who was from Salt Lake City. Like, the people who I played were from all over. Yeah. And, uh, and it was just awesome to see so many people that were traveling from so far away. Like, I played somebody from Utah. I played somebody from Montana. I played somebody from, like... It was like every state around. It was uh, it was crazy, but uh, Andrew was super nice. Sat down. He was playing blue red Delver, and just like couldn't resolve a threat or couldn't have a threat stick. Like the reason why I really like the Just Guy deck against blue red is like you just have so much removal. Yeah. And uh, you're you're sort of the better Ragavan deck because of that, and you have some threats that can't be blasted, and you can sort of tax their removal. Um, so the games went sort of exactly as planned. Uh, I can't exactly remember what the threat packages were, but um, but Ragavan and Stoneforge Mystic, like they they did work. So I talked to him a few times throughout the day. He was super nice, and uh, I had a quick quick two zero uh, start to the day, which always leaves you um, leaves you feeling good. Uh, and then round two, I played against Sam Rukas, um, who I remember the name. Like, there were a whole bunch of people at this event that I'm like, okay. Yeah, he was a Miracles player. Well, right? I, he was... So I remember the name, so I'm like, okay, this is a skilled player. Like, any time I recognize somebody's name, you usually you usually know that they're, like, pretty good. Uh, and he was playing Blue Red Delver 2, and it was the same deal. Like, these games were a little closer, hmm. especially the game 2, uh, where we had that... We both killed all of each other's stuff early... And we were in the sort of top deck waiting for a threat, top deck waiting for a threat. And we were trying to race, and I had the better clock, but I kept on having to swords his Murktide. Um, so I ended up being able to close the game out and and make a last turn play where I, I didn't have to do this, because I, I could have um, presented lethal the turn before. But I played around, like, the perfect cards you could have. I was like, all right. So the only way that I lose this game, period, is if he has a blast in hand and he draws expressive iteration into bolt blast. So I like, um, I pass the turn with two blockers up instead of instead of like trying to kill him and just sort of like ended game two in an awkward manner. Hmm. Where if um, if when I, I had a, I had a Murktide in play and I cast another Murktide and I missed the trigger to to make yeah. mine bigger, which would have given me exactly lethal to swing. But it would have lost to a single blast, and I made like a more, um, uh, I don't know, a more safe line where I'm like, the only possible way that I can lose is if these three cards come off the top. Um, 
and uh, and I got there. So nice. I'm two and zero. I haven't lost a game yet, and I'm feeling pretty good. Like we had a really late night coming in. Uh, I think we got to bed around two, which is like fine. Uh, it was at least three, this... actually. Okay, but... three o'clock, whatever it was. Yeah, trying to get the MTG yeah. melee decklist in. Yep. Um, but I I felt like I was like continuing to roll off the result that I had before, and the deck was feeling good, and I thought that I was making like good decisions. Up until this point, I think the only mistake I made was I, I missed the second plus one, plus one counter I could have put on my Merktide in play from casting my second Merktide. Um, but everything else was good. And then I see my round three opponent. I think we're at table one. Um, Hold we on. We were at table one. The, can I just say, though, when, when yeah. I mentioned this, you were like, that's never going to come up with the, when we were reviewing Merktide. And then in round two and round four, you missed the trigger. Yeah. So, it's it, yep. I just and, thought that was uh, funny. I thought it was absolutely. funny at the time, and I forgot to mention I missed, it. To I you. missed it at the Leaving a Legacy event too. I nice. like I wrote it off in my mind. I'm like, this card is so good without this line of. You were like, like, you're never gonna need to play the second one. Yeah. Is what you said. I think <laughs> I was wrong. Anyway. We can we can anyway, clip that from the previous episode. Yeah, but um, but I'm at table one, uh, and I see the person who I'm playing. It's Alex Hatfield. Oh really? Do you know that name? Yeah, the, Hatfield like, McCoy. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, like the 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 original group of legacy promoters from the source used to do a ton of coverage. Yeah. Uh, they 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 did like the original like data mining for legacy and were writing for Star City. And I used to love, absolutely love reading their work. And I was like, listen, are you uh are you that Hatfield from like from like old school legacies? Like yeah, like I got a source mat. And I was like, oh, yeah, like nice to meet you. Um. So he was playing uh, Urza, Mono Blue Urza, and um, game one, I, I Ragavan to Chalice on zero, which is pretty good. Yep. Um, so that was just the game one. It basically just locked it up. It wasn't turn one. Uh, I think I think he had early mana acceleration, tomb into actual Urza, which I removed, and then the Ragavan came down. So this was like. This is maybe turn three or four. I had the chalice on zero, but he just really couldn't recover after that. Game two, we both mulligan and he's on the play. And like, it's back and forth. I have a stone, like I get uh, an early stone forge with Cauldra that I'm trying to race him. But he ends up resolving a chalice on one, which cut up some some of my stuff off. And an Urza uh, and an Emery that were just gaining a ton of value. He was uh, playing Lion's Eye Diamonds from the graveyard, uh, casting free cards with Urza, making a bunch of mana, and he had built up a huge board with a few constructs. And I was sitting at three land, and I was dead on the next turn. He had, like, three really big constructs. Uh, Any of them would have been able to kill me. He had 20 permanents in play, but I'm still sitting there chugging along, just attacking with my Cauldra, and uh, he's at nine life, and I have a Cataclysm in hand. So if I draw a land, I get like a 20 for three where I keep where I keep land, cauldra, and the token. And he has to choose between his 20 permanents and probably probably keep uh, I don't even know if he keeps Urza or Emery, one land and then one artifact that he gets to choose. Uh, his Karn would have been gone. Um, yeah, he, he probably would have kept like, land chalice on one emery i guess and, mm-hmm. and try to try to claw back into it but i think i just win that game 
and I whiff, I whiff on the land, and I was like, I think that game was a lot closer than it seemed, and I'll talk to you about it after, because I didn't want to give away that I had Cataclysm. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, I, I played the 19th land, obviously I didn't draw it, but if I drew that land right there, it would have been the best Cataclysm of all time, but it didn't <laughs> happen. So we go to game, we go to game three, and um, it was early Stoneforge Mystic. Like I had, I just dealt with everything he had. Yep. He played turn one Emery, I pyroblasted it. He played turn two Emery, I swordsed it. He played um, an Urza that I forced, and I had a Stoneforge Mystic that was um, hitting him with Cauldra and. I can't remember if there was a Ragavan involved in that game, but it was just a pretty like smooth game three where um, I, I think I wasted his double his double mana, um, and and he just sort of got stuck behind everything. So one, it was awesome to play somebody like that because their content like legitimately used to like used to make me want to play Legacy. Like at one point, I wasn't really playing a ton of Legacy. And I'd read Star Cities and want to go to the tournaments and see the tournament reports and try to figure out what deck I was going to build from from what did well at the Grand Prix, and it, it was just awesome to to meet to meet somebody that like used to give me uh, a ton of information and enjoyment. So that was that was really cool to play, Alex. Mm. That's right. cool. Uh, round four is my feature match, and um, it's the first time I've played against Orion Death and Taxes. And uh, I played against James, who actually finished ninth in the tournament. Oh, nice! I think I was the only—I was his only loss. Um, but I think he might have had an unintentional draw, okay. or his breakers changed between the last round and the round before. I'm not sure if it was an ID it's unfortunate, or yeah. unintentional. But yeah, he finished ninth. And uh, this is a match that's on camera. And game one, I think I played really well. Game one was like a tempo Ragavan start. And when you get into those starts where, like, you get a Ragavan, you play your removal spell, it's really hard to mess it up because you have so many extra resources to clear the way that, like, everything is just sort of easy. And uh, I stick to the sideboard plan in game two. Like, we have, like, a super back-and-forth match where I'm, like, kind of, kind of staying in it, but on the back foot. And I had some ponders and some brainstorms where I... I found a good card and then two cards that were unplayable and no way to shuffle and in that sort of mid game where we each didn't have a great threat um, I found it really awkward to play with my cantrips because I didn't have a fetch land and I ended up shuffling a lot of ponders that like that really didn't do it I also misplayed my removal uh, where he skyclave apparitioned my delver and I just, like, without thinking, swords it on my end step. And I I know that I had two prismatic endings stacked on top of my deck. Oh, yeah. And I could have just dealt with it with a prismatic ending to save the swords to plowshares to deal with a Urian or something that's bigger. And I didn't think about it because it was instant. I wanted to use my mana. Um, and I just should have diversified my removal. Because in that game, I think I, I just end up losing to... Um, uh, to a solitude that beats me in the air uh, that I couldn't deal with that I could have if um, if I had the Swords of Plowshares. Now, he did a really good job of that game of um, of sandbagging his Urian. Like, uh, he just kept it in his hand for extra value. 
because his solitude was dealing enough damage he didn't have to worry about his life total. He could have put a little bit of an extra clock on me, and I was trying to think, or think whether or not that was, like, the right play. But if he does play the Urian, then he gets, like, less value from using solitude as a double removal spell. And he played, like, a super, super patient game, too, that, um, that showed why he did so well in the tournament. Uh, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't want to say... I wouldn't have expected that from a death and taxes player, but he played, <laughs> listen, he played, he played really well. Uh, and I was, uh, I was impressed by game two. Now game three was like my, my worst strategic play and my best strategic play combined into one match. So like we start out and uh, I can't. I can't remember the actual sequence of events. I, I think it was you prismatic um, ending the child. Uh, well, well, okay. So it was. Uh, I played. I played land. I think it was Delver. Maybe I played land and just passed. He played um, Aether Vial passed back to me, and I didn't have an ending. I didn't have a force. So I pondered into the prismatic ending because I, I just did the math and I was like okay I have a reasonable chance of drawing the prismatic ending to to get it here um, and ending is vile and sort of shut that threat off he follows up with either uh, Thalia or mom Not Thalia. I think he played I think he played Thalia on turn two and then mom on turn three um, and by that point I had flipped my delver and was attacking um, and he was developing a board I think it, at that point, um, the board board might have just been like Mom Thalia. He might have had something else, but I was uh, fighting with my Delver. Eventually, we I start to use my removal spells and get rid of his Thalia. Um, no, you and, got rid of his Thalia with a Jit. No, 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 no. Okay, so listen. He had two Thalias. I thought that he had two Thalias. Maybe okay, he I'm only sorry. Had one Thalia, I'll and stop. the Thalia was in play. Um, because no, he, it must have been two. Here's why. When I had my active, when I had my Delver, right? Mm. I had a Ponder. And, or I had a Brainstorm. And I took a look at the cards in my hand. And he definitely had a Mom in play at that point, And maybe something else. And the cards in my hand were Stoneforge, uh, Stoneforge, Batter Skull, Land Jit. The Batter, it might not have been a Batter Skull, it might have been something else. He had a Mom and a Stoneforge. Okay, so he had a mom and a stoneforge then. So here's what happened. I brainstormed, and I realized that I had three lands in play. Three lands in play. Uh, a delver that was attacking. And next turn, what I could do is um, keep the fourth land and the jit. And naturally have the fourth land, cast jit, equip jit, swing kill your mom, and then stabilize it against the Stoneforge later, because I'd have an active Jit. Yep. And it was a brainstorm, so I couldn't shuffle or anything, but I could have kept the the Stoneforge Mystic. Um, and, and maybe I think I had to fetch it away in order to make that play. I can't exactly remember the sequence of events, but I couldn't keep that Stoneforge on top. And I kept the, uh, the, the, land, the land Jit to make that play. And I'm not sure if he'd been sandbagging the Swords to Plowshares or he drew it that turn... But he removed my Delver, which made, like, it just made my decision look awful because I, I played, like, Plateau, 
and then I had to hard cast the JIT into the Thalia that he drew that turn. Yep. I think he played a Thalia that turn after. Um, he got he got your your Delver with a prelate though. Uh, no, it wasn't a prelate. Maybe it was a Skyclave. Or, I'm sorry, apparition. apparition. I meant to say. Yes. Yeah. So so he killed my Delver. Like him yep. killing my Delver. Yes, yeah, yeah. Was was what uh, was what messed everything exactly, up. Exactly. So yep. Maybe he he wasn't sandbagging it. He wanted to get his Stoneforge active first, which is absolutely the right play. But I made this whole line thinking the Delver was going to live, and uh, and I couldn't protect it, and I probably shouldn't have made that play. I should have just taken the Stoneforge Mystic and, and played a safer line. Um, but I felt that the uh, uh, the mom was going to give me trouble, and the the natural without showing jit play fourth land and do it all in one turn. A lot of the times can just swing that tempo completely. So I sort of made an all in play there. Yep. So at this point, when my when my Delver dies, I'm like. I'm just like, I'm in rough shape. I knew that the only way that I was really going to stabilize was to deal with his, um, like, deal with his board, and, and then end up killing him. And the only way that I could think about doing that was Flyer plus Jit. Um, so I, I think, with the Thalia in play, I tapped out to cast Jit yeah. and left myself vulnerable. No, he didn't have a Stoneforge Mystic in play yet, because I cast... I cast my three mana uh, Jit through Thalia, tapping out when I had a Force and a blue card in hand, and that's when he cast Stoneforge Mystic. So the Stoneforge wasn't in play yet, but I thought I was going to be able to take care of the mom. Okay. In in my mind, that's what happened at least. And um, he resolved Stoneforge after that, and then I was uh, very fortunate to be able to turn my blue cards into Merktides to, I think, end up playing like double Merktide. And uh, have an active jit on a Merktide, which was like exactly perfect enough for me to deal with the incoming damage that he had, kill the Thalia and the Mom, and be able to finish the game. So the 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 point of the game after I hard cast the jit to the end of the game, I thought I played really well. Yeah. And I had this really, really, really hard decision. That I didn't think too much about because I just thought like, yep. my, my Delver's going to get through and this is going to be great. I, I didn't fully process what the probability was that my Delver was going to get removed and I was going to be left like in a really bad spot. So I was fortunate with my draw steps. He played really well and uh, and if I could go back, I mean, I probably I probably changed the way that I make that brainstorm, regardless of the way that the match turned out. Um, I should have played it safer for sure. Yeah, so, I was I was like low-key freaking out because i was like oh what is he doing keeping the jit there and then it, well did you at least understand up, that's what i was thinking well i didn't know if you knew any of the cards like in position of, of cards in your deck or whatever but i was like man how is he keeping two equipment and throwing away a stoneforge right now like because you were keeping the equipment in your hand and shuffling away stoneforge when usually you want you you shuffle away equipment and keep a stoneforge right right and I, so- I know that you were clocked obviously and like so it was it was just because um at that point i have almost no way of dealing with the mom the the rolled up jit turns like i was thinking that the rolled up jit just wins the game so if he doesn't have removal spell there and i cast jit equip swing then i have an active jit kill his mom i'm in a commanding position and then uh I, i have time to find a threat later 
Um, but obviously that didn't happen. It didn't connect, and it, it took me a while to actually to actually have that hardcast jit sort of come to fruition. But if you take a look at my like mana use as the game went on, I feel like casting it there on on the three mana whenever he played the Thalia was ended up being the right play. So. Yeah, no, it was absolutely the right play. I mean, you played fl- except for missing the Murktide trigger, you played flawlessly from that point on. Yeah, I, and, again, it was the same thing. And as soon yeah. as as soon as uh, Robert was like Judge, I was like, listen, I already know what happened. I did it again. <laughs> He's, this is what he's telling Well, dude, he starts though. dancing like he pissed his pants. Like, as soon as it happened, I'm like, dude, just don't, just chill out. Just don't, don't make a scene. And he starts, like, freaking out. And I'm like, no, dude. Yeah. Because, like, I, mean, like, I didn't I, want him to get you in trouble. Do you know what I mean? Because it's, yeah, like. Like, outside assistance or whatever. Exactly. Like, as soon as it happened, I knew I did it. I just, like, literally, I haven't played a ton of Magic. And in my mind, in my mind, Murktide Regent doesn't have that line of text because it's so good without it that, like. <laughs> I'm just playing a handicapped version because I I forget I forget that second part and obviously that second part is important, um, but it's uh, I, I missed two of those triggers during the course of the day, mm-hmm. uh, and um, did you make any of them? So I missed two of them. Right, but I'm saying were there? No, I didn't make any of them. Okay, <laughs> so you potentially so missed more. They just did, weren't an issue. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, that happened. Uh, and it's unfortunate that match was on camera. I thought game one I played pretty good. Game two, um, I missequenced my removal and got punished for it. And in game three, I took a really, really aggressive line with that brainstorm, and it didn't work out for me. Uh, and I was very fortunate to cantrip into what I cantrip to at the end. And I played tight, but like when you get to the end of the game like that, you have every decision that you're making you can follow the decision tree to the right. end of the game yeah. so it's easier to make the right decision. Like, you can think through everything, and you're like, okay, if I do this, I lose. If I do this, I lose. If I do this, I lose. This is how I have to win, yeah. and it makes it easier for you to to play perfectly, I guess. True. Yeah, that's um, a good point. Those, those mid-game ponders and brainstorms where, like, the game is sort of uncertain and up in the air, those are the really hard decisions to make because you can't sort of use that here's how the game ends decision tree uh, logic, I guess. Right. So, anyway, that was my feature match. And I got an interview after, and it was awesome, and I felt really good. Uh, what was the interview like? Because obviously I didn't see it. Uh, well, the the person who was doing the interview, first, I like he introduced me, and I jumped in. I'm like, dead for my podcast. No, and, nice. Uh, I wish I didn't, because our last episode is just me fucking complaining. <laughs> so hopefully I edit this and get it out quick. Uh, but he, he just talked about the match. It was like, it was like star city level coverage. He's like, so listen, when this happened in this play and your, your Ragavan flipped council's judgment to be able to deal with his Calder complete, like, how did you feel? I was like, felt really fucking lucky. <laughs> it was really <laughs> fucking lucky, uh, without the swearing, but that's, the uh, like, that's, that's the idea. That's, um, that's, it was a lot of questions about the match and the matchup. I gave, uh, Robert a shout out for building the deck. And I, uh, I gave all the credit where credit was due, so it was, uh, it was good. It was good. Nice. Very cool. So there was a long pause before round five. You know, we were just sort of shooting this shit with Hackbert. There was like, uh, I think we had margaritas, right? Yeah. So that's when we went and got margaritas. All right. So we had margarita break, and then I come back for round five. I think I'm at table three, and um, I lose my first match. I lost to Robert, who finished seventh. 
So up until that point, you've won nine straight games with this deck. Nine straight matches with this deck, I should say. Nine straight matches, two game losses. That's right. it. Um, yeah, I was feeling really good. And Robert played Blue Red Delver, and I was feeling, I was also feeling really good. Right. Um, because I was on the play. My hand was Delver, Tundra, Days, Days, Wasteland, Wasteland, something else. It might have been a Ragavan, but I didn't have a red source. So I'm on the play. I go uh, Tundra, Delver, and he Wastelands me. Like, I don't, I don't think that I gave anything away, but he just Wastelanded my Delver. And or so, wastelanded my tundra, and um, I just didn't, I didn't draw, I didn't draw another colored source, and yeah. I lost. It was unfortunate, um, but I still absolutely think that you keep that hand. That hand is amazing, and my my mana base sort of came back to bite me. But like sometimes that happens in the Delver mirrors, and he's like, listen, I've just played so many Delver matchups where you waste them and you just win the game on the spot. And I 100% understand doing that because Delver isn't, like, the most aggressive threat. If I played, like, uh, Valk, Ragavan, then making that Wasteland play just seems, like, really silly. But using your life as a resource and taking a hit from a Delver and Wastelanding, if, um, if you don't think your life total is really under pressure, I thought was a really great play, and it won him the game. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, yeah, I didn't hit a colored mana source. It didn't matter. And, uh, and he beat me. And in game two, after sideboard, like, I feel really good against the Blue-Red Delver matchup, but he just out-threaded me. Like, he had... Uh, the Dragon Del- Rage Channeler is a big part of that, right? Well, yeah, but, like, even even with it, the removal lines up to where, like, I have about the same amount as he has threats. Right. And he doesn't, he doesn't have it for my threats, but he drew, like, triple... Double, double Dragon's Rage, Ragavan, Delver, double Merktide... And I was just, like, one removal spell short. And this is where I actually made, like, a um, like a mistake mistake. I kind of flooded out. Uh, I think I ended up with five lands in play by the end of this game, which obviously didn't help me. And I didn't see a Stoneforge Mystic, and that would have turned things around. But there was a play toward the end where we had all sort of removed each other's threats, and I thought that we were kind of playing off the top. And, uh, and he brainstormed, and I chose to Pyroblast it. Now, like, obviously pyroblasting a brainstorm is good when you're in that, like, try to find a threat situation, right? Brainstorm with a fetch land is an awesome, awesome card, and it's still probably correct to pyroblast the brainstorm. But uh, brainstorm gets pyroblasted, then he plays the murktide from his hand. So we absolutely played out the brainstorm to bait pyroblast, and I'm Mm -hmm. wondering whether or not I just misunderstood the matchup where... I don't think of Pyroblast as counters. I think of them as just dedicated Merktide removal spells. And I, I think maybe I would have been able to claw back into that game if that Merktide didn't resolve. Obviously, like, it did. And eventually it killed me. I think I swords it. Uh, it gave him the life advantage to win the race when we actually both established a threat. But that was the first, like, uh, the second big strategic mistake I made. And, like, it, it seems like something that's reasonable to do, but I think just understanding how the matchup works, I probably shouldn't have done that. And uh, the, the first strategic mistake was that, was that Brainstorm Keep with the, um, with the JIT and the fourth land. Um, so, so I think I've made two mistakes. I don't think 
that even if I if I blasted the the Merc Tide, that I was favored to win, but it, maybe it would have given me a chance. And my mana base really did kind of like, kind of hit me that match. I lost two mm -hmm. zero to blue red. The first one was two 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 little lands. The first one, uh, I think I ended the game with five or six in play. It was kind of a flood. Um, so, I, I'm not thinking that my mistakes cost me any matches, um, but I, but I know that I'm not playing perfectly. And then, uh, I go to the bar actually. Uh, one of our Discord members, who was awesome by the way. And I feel really bad, because you know how we were talking about the, I'm not ready to like be social again? Oh, is this the um, Vermin Supreme story? It's, okay, so well, not Vermin Su Supreme, but Big Stano uh, was talking to me, and he's like six, he was like six, seven. He was taller than me. Really? And he's like, yeah. Damn, I didn't even see this guy there. Yeah, and, uh, and he was in the Discord, and he came up to talk to me, and I just, I never got like his real name. But we went to the bar, uh, he got me a beer. We talked about everything for for half an hour or so, and it was just really like it was awesome. Like I got to meet somebody through Magic in the podcast, and we we had a really good conversation. Nice. And then Rodney Rodney comes in kind of salty, and he's like, "I just played against Hogak Pox," and I'm like, "Shit, like that sucks. I don't want to play against that deck." And he was describing this deck to me. It was like the the Pox Discord creators tuning of pox to this meta like how they would attack it with a bunch of stitcher suppliers and and random black value cards like it makes a box. lot of sense when you when you guys were talking about it yeah oh yeah and i was like i just don't want to play against that like all of those cards uh brick ragavan so those tempo starts are really hard uh he's got he's got enough removal and discard for stoneforge mystic it's playing graveyard recursion when i've kind of cut most of my graveyard hate like He's playing Wasteland to disrupt my mana bases too. I was like, I really, I really hope I don't uh, play against that deck. So I sit down uh, across from Brian, and he plays Swamp Stitcher Supplier, and I go, No, you're not playing Smallpox Hogak. And he smiles a little bit, and then he smallpoxes me on the next turn, and I'm like, <laughs> Fuck. Nice. So, uh,. Yeah, I lose game one. Did he smallpox into a potential daze, though? I mean, I, maybe he didn't do it that turn, but like he smiled and he, he smallpoxed gotcha. me shortly after. So it confirmed my suspicions. Um, he, uh, yeah, he had a very good deck for the matchup. Nice. So game one, he just beat me with a bunch of value stuff out of the graveyard. I couldn't get a Stoneforge Mystic um, active which is really how you sort of go through all of that. Yeah. And uh, I, my Ragavans did nothing. I thought that I kept a really good hand, but it was Ragavan dependent. And, like, I ran into Stitcher's Supplier, and it's just not, like, it's not working. Game two, I actually get, like, a good tempo start. I think I play Ragavan into Stoneforge with some counters, and I, I just get there. Um, like, it, it didn't, didn't matter. I had a really good draw on the play. And then in game three, this is rough. Because I don't feel like this is like an awful, unwinnable matchup. I think I have the cards to match up with it. But I mull my seven, my original seven, which was four land, wasteland, ponder, brainstorm. So it was five total land, ponder, brainstorm. So I mull that. Into pretty much the same hand, except without the brainstorm. It was like Ragavan, wasteland, four land, or like whatever, whatever other card. Yeah. Uh, I mull again. No land. 
So I, I'm mulling to four because I feel like like on the play, I can't afford to keep a no lander against the graveyard deck with hand disruption. Like it's yeah. just not going to work out for me. Um, and my four, my four is pretty good. It's Fetchland, Ragavan, Stoneforge, Brainstorm. And I end up hitting the second land, but he had like uh, Cabal Therapy and just sack flashback Cabal Therapy and Bone Shards. And I just like, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So I feel like being on the draw in that matchup would have been rough anyway in game three, mm-hmm. but just mulling to four was like, uh, you know, it was when- a bad... It was a bad spot to be in right there. When you asked me about that mulligan decision immediately after, I wasn't really putting it into perspective. I was thinking Hogak because you called it like, you know, Hogak Pox or whatever. Yeah, I wasn't well, thinking had... about Pox. I was thinking about Hogak. It is a closer decision than I, I made it sound at the time when I was like, no, you got to throw that seven away. When you when you put it in the context of an attrition battle, it does sound a lot more tempting. Yeah, well, so I don't know if it was an attrition battle because they still have a whole bunch of ways to fill the graveyard where just random grave crawlers and blood gas can like can chip away at you and i i just i felt that unless my brainstorm was amazing right that i don't want to keep that and you get such equity from mulliganing your original sevens with the new mulligan rule that i felt like i like i didn't even think about it i was like okay this does nothing it's a mulligan but knowing that i then mulliganed a few times after i would have loved to have that original hand i just didn't i didn't have the foresight at the time and i still think i made the right call but yeah probably uh, but the, yeah it's results results based thinking um so at this point i got my second loss and like i started off really well i got two losses in a row the blue red matchup i don't think it was because of my play even though the brainstorm pyroblast probably was the wrong play and i could have played better uh, the mono-black matchup, gave, I don't think there was any way I was winning game one. Game two was very good. Game three, I'm all the four. So, like, my two losses, I'm not sure if I could have done anything about. I could have definitely improved on my play throughout the day, but I don't think it changed my record. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I have three rounds left, and I, I, I want to do my best. So I sit down across from my opponent, Chad, who has a Thalia playmat, and... Um, and uh, Virginia Tech shirt, and he's on the play because he won the die roll, and uh, and I keep a hand that's really good against Death and Taxes. It's got like the prismatic ending for um, uh, for Aether Vial. For Aether Vial, yeah, like it's got a bunch of removal spells, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good. So he's on the play, and he goes fetch Volcanic Alley and Ragavan, and I think my exact quote was. What the fuck, Chad? You're not supposed to do this to me. Where's the Aether Vial? Like, because I had had a beer or two, mm. and uh, he got me. He got me with the Thalia playmat Delver, and I felt I felt dirty um, because he did that to me, and I fell for it. But your hand is still good against that, right? It is. It is. I think I said something like, Robert, Robert Wilson told me never to do this, but I'm not as good as him. He said, always take the hit from the first Ragavan so you don't lose to days when you when you use your removal spell on the Ragavan. I learned that. I didn't hear that from him, but I, I'd figured that out by like round three. Yeah, well he told that to me, so I told that to Chad because I had the days, so I was gonna do it anyway. So I think Chad forced and then I dazed and it was good. Nice. That that might have been my other blue red Delver opponent. Um that might have been my loss. I might have done that in the loss and the karma the karma made me lose that match. 
But uh, but Chad was actually playing Jeskai. I thought it was blue red, and he actually ended up resolving True Name Nemesis against me. Oh wow! And beating me with True Name Nemesis in game one. But um, I had a uh, Murktide. I had a Delver. Uh, we were dashing Ragavans where I was able to remove his, but my dash Ragavan got a few hits in, and uh, the fact that he's playing Swords to Plowshares that he had the Swords of Plowshares, my Murktide Regent, gave me enough time to chip away, uh, and I I basically ended the game at one life with killing him on the next turn. And uh, it was almost a mirror match, except he was playing... Um, he was playing True Names instead of the Stoneforges, and uh, we had a really, really tight Game 1 that I ended up winning. Game 2... Uh, hold on. Did I win game one? You said you lost it like a minute ago, and then you just said you won it. So, no, I won. Okay. I won it. Because he was on the play in game two. And he mulliganed on the play. Um, oh, okay, so sorry. I was confused. Because this match this match continues in my score sheet. Okay. Uh, he's on the play game two. He mulligans on the play. And we get into this, like, ridiculous situation of swords to plowshares in each other's creatures gaining, like... Like, I think we each gain, like, 16 life off of the swords. Um, because we're swordsing big murktides. Yeah. And uh, and I think I just established a Stoneforge Mystic and was able to get it. It was actually... I established Stoneforge Mystic. We ran each other out of threats. I was able to dash some Ragavans and actually hard cast cauldra um and start to attack with it so this was like we both completely wasted all of each other's creatures we're playing off the top we each have five six seven lands in play and this is the point where i'm like you know what in the red blue matchup if if you don't have that like that ragavan start where you have like ragavan removal spell days or whatever then there might be more equity in your ragavans just sandbagging them till you can dash them later in the game where you just keep up your mana early and you understand that like your Ragavan is probably going to die and you want to pick an opportune time to be able to dash it to get some value out of it rather than just blindly playing it on turn one with no protection. Um, right. So I, I'm not sure if that's like the actual right thing to do, but uh, I still don't think that I have the patience to sandbag a turn one Ragavan even if I was on the draw. Um, so, so that... That, that was a thought that I had when I was playing that match. And then, I play against our friend Brian, who you played earlier, who I didn't remember. but I, oh, I played the previous round, yeah. Yeah. I talked to him the previous round. And he sat down, and I looked at him, and I did that read where I thought he was playing Delver. Because you did. <laughs> you, were birding, I, you just birded my match with this reanimator player. Yeah, I was sitting down talking to him. I just didn't recognize him. <laughs> came back in and i was like okay this dude i think this dude's playing delver and i kept like swords bolt prismatic ending stoneforge and he griefs all the worst cards he griefs me on turn one and i'm like listen man like you're gonna see these cards and just understand understand that i put you on a different deck and he's like yeah like that's not that's not gonna be good enough and he turn one Turn one, Grizzlebrands me. Uh, 
draws 14, or no, draws 7, attacks, draws another 7, and I'm just dead. I'm dead game 1. Yeah. Um, and uh, after, after game 1, I looked across and I noticed his deck box. It was like the, the Ultra Pro hard deck box with like the, the coloring, like an oil spell. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized, oh shit, you <coughs> just played my buddy Ian last round. And and we had already had this conversation earlier. He's like, holy shit, it's like, like it's nice to meet you. I listen to the podcast. This is like, this is great. So he told me, <laughs> like he told me he listened to the podcast and we talked about it. And he's like, wait a minute, your friend Ian? And I was like, yeah, like you played both of us. And he's like, that motherfucker, I asked him where I knew he from, knew him from. And he's like, well, maybe you like, maybe you read this book. And I was like, no, 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 listen, <laughs> listen he did like, he didn't know any better. He wasn't trying to gaslight you or be like an asshole. Like he literally just doesn't, he doesn't know that when people hear his voice, they like might recognize him. And he's like, no, like, dude, he like, he seemed pretty salty. I think he did it on purpose. I'm like, no, no, no I was not trust salty. me, trust me. He didn't, but that was, uh. That was a funny. That was a funny interaction. Oh man! Um, and that and that really happened. Uh, so listen, uh, game two, game two, Ragavan against uh, uh, Reanimator is pretty insane. I he mulliganed. He he stressed out a little bit about it, and then he thought seized targeting himself in the opener. Yeah. And I forced it. Um, I I felt like. I felt like the body language suggested that that play was one of his only his only ways to win because it might have been his only discard outlet. And he actually ended up going to like draw step, draw step, draw step, not playing anything after that because he didn't have another discard outlet and needed to play something into the graveyard. So um, imagine you play a turn one Ragavan and then uh, you get like four free turns after that. And it just like it wasn't it wasn't close. Um, so game two was really good. Now, game three, it's just like, this is so gross, right? Like, you're playing you're playing Reanimator on the draw in a game three where your sideboard, like, isn't super set up to fight against graveyard decks. Like, I had two surgicals, but that was pretty much it. And uh, he mulliganed, but my hand was, uh, my hand was, like, insane. It was Force, Force, Delver, Ponder, Land, Ragavan, something else. I didn't have the surgical extraction yet, but I had double force. Yeah. Uh, and my last card might have even been a daze. Like it was, like it was literally gross. Um, and I end up, uh, I can't remember if I played the Delver or if I ended up drawing a Ragavan. No, I played the Delver. So it was Delver, end up countering his threats, play an early Merc Tide that was really big, and. Uh, Eventually ended up getting a Ragavan. I think my Ragavan might have came down on turn two or turn three. And uh, my my last Ragavan flip was Tendrils of Agony. And I was able to hard cast it because I ended up having two tokens. And ha- like finished the game with a Tendrils of Agony off of, um, off of surgically extracting him and, and maybe casting a Cantrip before. So that was, that was kind of a cool ending. And I'm glad I didn't lose to uh, to Black Red Reanimator, but I definitely like gave up some equity not recognizing faces and who I just talked to because like literally, <laughs> I just sat down across from him and uh, and watched your match finish. Bro, I think you have face blindness too, maybe. 
I do. Because I you recognize this dude by his deck box. I think we've both done enough brain damage now that maybe you have the same face blindness. I, won- I 100% didn't recognize his face, but I 100% recognized his deck box. Like, that's just gross. Yeah, like, I those are like, things I use to identify people. Like, their, their tattoos, their t-shirts, <sighs> their deck boxes. Yep. Um, but that, that happened. And uh, so I'm X and 2. I know... I know there's no way that I can top eight. Like uh, a tournament that size, X and two isn't going to make it in. Uh, I knew my breakers potentially were going to be really good, so I could have like a good finish if I won this last round. And um, I sit down uh, across from a, a dude named Keel from Montana, and I play World of Warcraft with somebody from Montana who knows the the kid from Montana that you played, and this kid. Then, oh yeah, we just we had just like figured that out right before the round started. Yep, uh, and uh, I start to play against Keel, and he's uh, he plays Forest Elvish Reclaimer. Uh, I I remove it. Um, he plays another one. I force it. I get a Ragavan into play and flip one from him. Yep, flip so uh, have, Elvish Reclaimer. Yeah, and I, so I have an active Elvish Reclaimer against twelve post. Yep, that was sick. And, and uh and end up getting there like i i my my neighbor and buddy jeremy played played mono green 12 post for a while for like a long time and we always used to test before legacy tournaments so i've played like a ton of delver jeskai delver versus 12 post and i know that like like crop rotation is a card uh and there was a turn where i just tested him like he had one card in hand and if my wasteland resolves and he doesn't have crop rotation i like just win like he's just too far behind he won't have enough mana um and he did have the crop rotation so i guess i gave him a shot but uh it didn't it did it didn't change the fact that he was going to be able to resolve primeval titan which ended up getting swords after he got a bunch of mana and a bunch of land Mm -hmm. Uh, and i was able to kill him the the turn before i killed him he had one card in hand it was emrakul he had access to 14 lands so the Elvish Reclaimer that I ended up getting from him uh, ended up like like doing enough work to stop him from casting Emrakul, even even though he, he got the trigger from Primeval Titan. And I definitely made a mistake where I was so excited to cast a Murktide that I did it pre-combat and had to delve away some lands that shrunk a Reclaimer when I attacked. It didn't oh. change the end. It didn't change the end clock, but it was 100% a mistake. Like I lost I lost a few points of damage there. Um, but I, I basically won the game with, with his, um, his reclaimer, uh, yeah. reclaimer. And then game two, uh, uh, it was just, it was dirty. It was Ragavan, uh, Ragavan just did a bunch of work. Um, he didn't have a very good draw mana-wise, where he was forced to play out an early cloud post that didn't have any protection. And I wastelanded it. And then surgically extracted it, and he had to evoke endurance to shuffle his library to make sure that um, he he didn't have all his cloud posts extracted. Yeah. So he was down like a ton of resources and getting beat with Ragavan. Like it had um, triple Delver. Oh yeah, that's right. That was Delver, Delver, yeah. Delver, Wasteland, that, Surgical. That's what that was. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I was burdened that game because I was waiting to vend cards. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. I had Delver, then Delver, Delver, and that's a good feeling. Uh, or maybe it was Delver, Delver, Wasteland, and then to Delver. I think that's what happened. Because yep. the life total, it drops by two for one turn, 
And um, that's because my Delvers didn't flip until a little bit later. Uh, but I did have three of them. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that was pretty uh, sweet. So that was it. So I finished seven. Well, so and was two. he was he uh, happy or was he? Well, I mean, like, listen, <laughs> you fly. Yeah. Uh, I'm we, sorry. we had this, I'm sorry. We had this conversation. We had this conversation earlier where we were looking at the standings and trying to figure out whether or not we could like draw into top 32. Um, and I think I, I didn't look at the, the prize structure. I didn't even bother to look at the standings. I didn't want to do the math. But it like it what it wasn't safe, and yeah. I knew that whoever won was gonna end up getting a good prize. So I'm like, like honestly, like to me the money doesn't matter. I was like, if if we can look at it and we're both in a better spot, I will absolutely draw with you. But I'd like, I mean, I'd rather play. Yeah. And um, we played. I ended up finishing 11th. I I do think that he ended up being out of the top 32, which kind of sucked. Oh, it does um, suck. But, yeah. But they they prized down to X and three and. Uh, uh, and we talked for a while, and I like I liked playing against him. It was just like, yeah, he he had some really dirty things happen to him, um, like the Ragavan stealing his reclaimer, getting stuck on fourteen land with Emrakul in hand. Like that's got to be super frustrating. Yeah. And then getting like getting triple Delver wastelanded surgical. Like that's like that's gross too. Yeah. Um, so I I thought the deck was great. There's a few changes I would make uh, to the sideboard specifically to the main deck. Just a few. But, I mean, I really like this deck. And, again, a lot of other people played something similar, and they had different different uh, results. They were like, Ragavan sucks. Ragavan never does anything. Everybody's talking about how good Ragavan is. Ragavan's a bad card. I'm like, I, I haven't experienced that yet. It's definitely not um, a bad card. Uh, but, I mean, like, that was the talk going around the tournament for a lot of people. They're like, it's yeah. overrated. It's just not, it doesn't do what everybody says it does. And, like, right. Uh, it it's like definitely format warping. I love the deck. I talked to Rodney about a lot of different sort of just guy builds. He doesn't want to play Stoneforge. He wants like super clean list. He's like maybe you play no wasteland and sixteen land with four Delver Merktide Ragavan um, Merktide, and you just like play four. You play four of everything and you just play sixteen land or something like that. And he was talking about cutting down from four days because he felt like days isn't super great anymore. There's no way I would do that. Well, listen, this, that's what I was telling him. He's like, listen, you bring it out you bring it out in most of your matchups, and if your sideboard plan is to cut days all the time, then why play it? And I was like, listen, I understand the point you're making, but I've, like, I've just played too much Legacy where days has been amazing. It's going to take more to convince me to not play it because I, I just think that card is way too, way too overrated. So... It's like the best it's ever been right now, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, is it? Oh, I don't know about ever. That was probably hyper hyper. I, I mean, but. obviously, it's amazing when you pair it on the play with Ragavan. Yeah, but when you get into the to the way that Jeskai versus Blue Red sort of plays, you're slugging it out, removing each other's stuff, and by by the time all that happens, Days is kind of a dead card. So, I really liked it to protect my lands. Like I was leaving two in usually, and I I was doing that on the play, even though Robert Cyborg guys had to cut all four. Well, um, against me, he left two in. So okay, so take that for what what you yeah. Will. I thought I thought that's the right call. Um, so anyway, yeah yeah. So we're at we're at we're at like at a pretty long time mark. So. I do have some thoughts on, on how I would build the deck differently. 
but we should probably before we get too deep, we should probably get into the after party. Okay, so listen, you do the what you would do to the deck, then we'll talk about the after party because that's where the real stuff happened. All right. Um, well, my my thoughts coming out of this tournament. Number one, I wanted to play Brazen Bar. I wasn't sure I was going to get the Rag Vans. Rodney obviously hooked it up, which was awesome. Uh, I sold them immediately after the tournament because I got stuck holding Rens, I got stuck holding Okos, etc. I'm not holding another card that I play once in a tournament and gets banned under me. So yeah, I basically rented the Rag Vans for 24 hours or whatever, and I'm fine with that because I feel like I know how to attack the card now. Like, I, I wanted to play Brazen Borrower because there were a few things I really liked about it. And it turned out, you know, when I was actually playing the matches, that it would have been... And I cut the last one from my sideboard at, like, the last second. It would have been so much better than I even thought it would have. Because when you do... You know, when someone's hitting you with a Ragavan, you know, a lot of times they hit, like, a land or a removal spell that doesn't line up with what you have in play. So they're not hitting a real card. But sometimes they hit a permanent, right? And they get to play like one of your creatures or whatever. If you have Brazen Borrower, that Ragavan just drew you a card. Because you're bouncing the card that they cast into your own hand, right? And with Murktide Regent, a lot of times, you know, people are delving their, you know, five of their six cards or five of their seven cards or whatever. So between the Murktide Regent and the Ragavan, I just think Brazen Borrower is at such a high right now. So if I could replay this tournament, I would play Blue-White with Heavy heavy Stoneforge and Brazen Borrower. Because Stoneforge is another card. If they're not playing equipment, if they hit it off a Ragavan, they're not getting any equipment. They're, they can cast a Squire or not, you know. I mean, they can hit your equipment and that sucks. But I, I would try to maximize in that direction, you know, still play all the white removal. But then have Stoneforge, which is a card that's really, you know, white removal doesn't really care about. Borrower, which is a card that white removal doesn't really care about, right? And I just feel like there's ways to attack it that people, you know, maybe are, are giving up, throwing up their hands. I know I talked to our, our buddy Tim McMath earlier today, and he was just like, oh, this top eight sucks from the Legacy Pit event. He was just being like Debbie Downer, but... Uh, He's just like, yeah, there's there's no way to beat Ragavan, blah, blah, blah. He, I'm like, dude, he had there's... A really good, he had a really good finish at Lobster Kong, right? <laughs> I I think uh, I think maybe that's what that's what he was being such a sourpuss today, maybe. Because yeah. I think he might have gone like one something. But anyway. Uh, oh, congrats to Stephen Hartford and Rich Shaver. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. Congrats to our boy Stephen Hartford and, and everybody at Lobster Kong. Uh, I had a long conversation with Rich, too, about it. So it was, uh, yeah, hopefully I can make another one of those one of these days. But it keeps falling on the day of the big legacy tournaments. Anyway, yeah. So that, that's my thoughts on the deck. But the tournament ends. I, I vend off a bunch of cards for drops of honey, for a drop of honey, I should say. And we go back to the room. We got Hackbert. Hackbert was like our... our uh, fourth amigo or what's the expression spirit guide spirit <laughs> yeah or simian <laughs> what's a what's a animal with long hair our sloth spirit guide maybe <laughs> okay and uh you know he he's uh he's tagging along and 
we are drinking whatever we come across. Like there's some Jameson in the room. There's technically Southern Comfort. No one's going to drink that. But there's some Jameson in the room. Hackbert's got tequila. You know, we're, we're just getting ready. And somebody throws out Sports Bar. I don't know where that idea came from. Well, but. we were trying to find – so first off, I punted. And I thought that they were going to be giving out cash at the event, which was stupid. So we kind of waited around there for half an hour after I filled up my tax form when we could have gone. Okay. We were trying to find something that had a menu that was okay enough for Rodney, who's a vegetarian, that was going to be big enough for all of us to go to, that was going to be open. Bro, I think I started that rumor, but he's not actually a vegetarian. Well, he wasn't eating any meat this weekend. He okay. might not be a vegetarian, but he was on a vegetarian diet this weekend. Gosh. And uh, we found a sports bar that was open till 2. Pool hall, sports bar. And it was the only place around that didn't like close at 10. So we're like, okay, let's go here. The menu doesn't look great, but like... So... <laughs> So Rodney's driving Hackbird's car, okay, so which was listen. fucking hilarious. Listen, what he got us there, he did safe safely. He did. he did, and I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to say anything stereotypical. <laughs> he got us there safely. <laughs> All right, we got yep, there. That's a fact. There. And we walk in, and before we walk in, we notice that, like, there's already, like, like private security cars outside and police officers. So as we're walking in, I'm thinking, like, this might not have been the best decision. That's right. I forgot about that. So we get in there, and it's a whole bunch of, like, a whole bunch of people. Oh, it's, like, fucking, there's live music, and there's, like, 50... 40-year-old thirsty women yes. dancing. Right. And it's like a like an 80s cover band. Yep. Uh, and is a whole different mix of people. There's it like was a one. vibe, bro. It was a fucking vibe and a half. Pool tables, huge bar. Dartboards. The food was awful. Yep. But but we got food. And uh, we ended up playing we ended up playing pool and just like getting a lot of drinks. Bro. We played pool, but it was, uh, we, we got shitty most of all, okay. but the, the pool experience was like, I, I just love playing games. Like, like pool is like one of my favorite things to do. So like when I saw that, like we were set, we were like posting up at the pool table and we had like the good table and everything. I just like, this is money. This is like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I want right now. Waitress, waitress bringing us drinks and food the whole time. Us not really playing pool well, but it was it it was awesome. It was absolutely well. Awesome. You could break really well. Yeah, uh, and when I so I used to play a lot of pool when I was like maybe eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and I just haven't since then. So there were some shots that I made where I went on a few runs where I was like committed to the shot and followed through and like nailed it. But every time I tried to like finesse a shot, it was just off, and I just don't have that in my game anymore. Yeah. Uh, plus, plus many Jack and Diets later. Um, yeah, I felt like you know the the game was the 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 balls were flowing at a reasonable speed. We got into some jams sometimes when like yeah I go on a run and there would still be like six balls of the other color when I'm trying to shoot the eight ball. Yep. That but was a problem. Really, most of the games ended up in somebody scratching on the eight ball, and I I ended up going six and two. I got carried by Rodney, and then we switched teams, and then you carried me. And uh, and it was a good time. Yeah. But the... on the way out, on the way out, we got yeah. 
we we got into some other games. They and had ski ball. Like, they had let's play ski ball. And yeah. did you know that there were people that were laughing at you at the bar? Oh, I, I don't. I did not. They were like, I might have. This dude just gets tense. And like I heard it from behind me. I'm like, are they really shit talking about people playing ski ball right now? And they were, and it was awesome. But they dude, had pop. They they had the they had the Papa Shop basketball. Yeah. And and I did some work there. I did some I did some work to the point where a dude from the bar came up yep. and was like, "Yo, I saw what you did there." And I was just like, "All right. All right, I'm feeling it." No, he no, he was like, "This guy's the only one of y'all that can play basketball." Is what he actually said. <laughs> Cuz I shot like a 33 and so Rodney shot whatever he shot, and then you shot a 73. The record on the machine was 81. So you and made I your only, first I only eight went shots. one time. I felt like I felt yeah. like if uh if I stayed, I probably could have broken that, but it was, uh, it was fun. Yeah, that was, uh, that was quality, bro. And then you dropped on the way back at the hotel, you dropped one of the top 10 jokes I've ever heard in my whole life, which we can't really recreate. It wouldn't do it justice. I was thinking about this and Hackbert plays music and he was critiquing the live music that they had at the, uh, at the venue. And somehow the conversation turned to Def Leppard, well, and and Phil Collins, yeah, not he, Phil Collins. Yes, exactly. And every obviously, anytime somebody mentions Def Leppard, the the one armed drummer of Def Leppard gets brought up, and we were talking about the confusion between that drummer and, and Phil Collins, who was another member of Def Leppard. We we're getting the history from Hackbert. I'm like, yeah, the one, the one from Def Leppard just goes, D-, and everybody knows the in the air tonight, like do 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 do. Yeah, drum drum line, and I did it, dude. In envisioning the drum kit, and only doing the j for the ones that I yep. felt like would be on the right side, and it came out perfectly. And Bro. I couldn't. I don't know if I could recreate it, but I'm like, dude, I could get a sample of in the air tonight, right now on the podcast, and just yeah. edit those things out and be like, I did this. I was thinking about that too because the thing is I also I don't know because I was sort of in my own world at this point I'm not even sure if Hackbert and and Roddy caught it like if they really understood what was going on because I was sort of like in between you two I was like egging on Hackbert by pretending he was talking about Phil Collins and talking about Genesis and stuff and then you were like doing your own thing in front of us and I just like put one and one together what was going on but like I was fucking like falling down. Everybody in the hotel must have heard us at that point, because I <laughs> was, was like, like screaming. Was, like, yeah, it was like three in the morning. I was screaming and fucking falling down, laughing. And uh, I feel like Hackbert and Rodney might not have even known what was going on, but we were dying, bro. That was that was fucking phenomenal. That uh, I mean, like it's the it's the after tournament moments like that that I go to magic tournaments for, like yeah, you know, like I I used to be I used to, I used to I guess not appreciate that as much. I used to like it, but I'd go to a magic tournament and be like, I'm gonna play the best I can. I'm gonna prepare for it. I'm gonna do all this work. I'm gonna I'm gonna play test and all that. And then like, I'd have variants go the other way and be like, oh, I just like did all this work and ruined my tournament. I finished X and two or X and three or whatever. And then now I'm at now I'm like in my 40s and I realized like the best times about the magic tournament weren't trying to like edge out like the difference between a $250 prize and like a $150 prize it's like the people you're traveling with 
and going out to eat after like just getting to relax and go have fun like you're like you're yep. 22 again it's like that's that's what i'm about and that's why i'm so excited that we got to play again yeah bro and like i've always had this thing like i don't even necessarily like playing magic like if magic was just commander i just wouldn't play it you know what i mean like i it's not i don't i don't like doing like nerdy things or whatever mm-hmm. I, and i don't like you know playing combo decks or something like i I don't i don't mean like in legacy i mean like you know like uh you know uh, johnny or whatever i don't know what the The timmy timmy johnny spike or whatever yeah yeah like i i don't want to play if i'm not playing to win right so like i the the game engine the rules engine whatever that doesn't like appeal to me and this this fantasy aspect certainly doesn't appeal to me but like I just like going somewhere and competing with people who are also taking it seriously. We've talked about this a lot, but mm-hmm. I, when we went out after Niagara, I feel like competition was a big part of that because, first of all, we were racing to finish those hundred and whatever ounce beers, <laughs> and then we were playing blackjack. So that's yep. like, you know, you're playing magic. So you're competing, and then you just continue competing, but in a more casual, less judged like formally judged atmosphere but like the competition the casual competition just keeps going right with competitive people mm-hmm. and like we went to and we played pool and that was like perfect dude because like if we were just hanging around drinking that would have been cool too but like the the introduction of like purpose like just makes things so much better i think so it was like the fucking perfect thing to do i think i, I think that uh that was it, like it, it was a very good call and yeah. I was about to say, like, along the lines of what I was talking about, like, what my what my goal is going to events now, I feel like there's a ton of, there's a ton less stress and pressure I'm putting on myself when I'm playing the games, and I'm enjoying it more and playing better, and I'm sure that there's, like, some psychological reason for that, but, like, uh, I, I like, I like where my headspace is at when I'm going to play Magic events now, so. Yeah, for sure, man, and, like, I you know like i was talking before i was talking to tim earlier about you know the composition of the tournament and he's like you know legacy just looks awful right now and i was like dude when you say legacy like i don't maybe this is because of old school maybe it's because where i'm at in my life or you know where magic is at right now but when you say legacy i'm not actually thinking of the metagame i'm thinking of the player base you know and like when you say legacy i'm thinking of like the people that we played against and i had players from all over all red states interestingly enough but that's neither here nor there um all all people from all over the place and they were all just awesome people that i played against and happy to be there happy to be able to play legacy you know i i didn't judge anyone based on what deck they were playing or you know how our matchup went or whatever uh it was just like i was so thankful for the opportunity and thankful to travis and everyone at the pit for uh you know providing this opportunity maybe you know and you don't you never know man maybe this is the last legacy event we ever get to play and if it is then it was a fucking great memory you know Mm-hmm. completely agree i really hope it's not though i really hope there's another one of these and i hope there's 10 more of these and i hope we had to play a lot of Legacy in the future because I just fucking love fetching up dual lands. Me too. But, yeah, bro. You want to wrap this one? 
Yeah. Do you, did you have anything? I so I didn't make a list of notes when I was there, but I wanted to shout out Rodney for like being like the best car ride partner. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to shout out Jeremy Aronson for like uh, giving me. <laughs> no, 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 for real. Uh, okay. He called me when we were on the way home from from the Legacy Pit event. And he just, like, he sounded down. Like, he's making 500 phone calls. And there are, there are a whole bunch of people that just, like, aren't happy. But maybe maybe I understood that this probably wasn't going to happen. And I didn't book my ticket because of what yeah. I expected to happen with COVID. But I think he's doing the responsible thing, especially given the area he's in. And it, it is what it is. Like, uh, I, thought, I thought that he handled it the right way. So maybe okay. I'm being a shill, but I wanted to give him a shout out because I know he was having a rough week. Well, that's and, good. Uh, then I didn't I know think, that. Yeah, I thought I thought he's doing the right thing and and Me- dealing with uh, dealing with 400, 500 phone calls or whatever he had to make after after all of the all of the things that have happened in the last year and a half. Uh, I'm glad he can sort of put that behind him and uh, and uh, and yeah, maybe maybe get some more stuff later on. Yeah, I don't answer calls that I don't recognize the number anymore, so it's possible that. One of my missed calls that day was from him. I should probably check that. Well, but. I saw I saw his tweet that he was going to be doing phone calls, and I got a call from Missouri. I'm like, all right, who could it be? And uh, and I was right. So, gotcha. Cool. Yeah, I'll check my voicemails. I guess. Oh, another <sighs> shout out, Tom Shea, for having TJ Collectibles. It's like the best game store in Massachusetts. <laughs> I can't wait to go play there more. Nice. It's got food, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shout out, obviously, Hackbert was there repping, repping the dead format. We appreciate. We always appreciate. We saw, we saw a lot of shirts. We saw an actual uh, Grateful Dead shirt at the hotel bar. And somebody was like, "You wait, that dude's like 70s. He's got an actual Grateful Dead shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the Tibbet brothers for keeping me entertained while I was waiting for you guys to get in uh, at 115 or whatever. But yeah. Uh, oh, also one more thing I wanted to say, because I saw people there that I recognized, but I'm like, I don't have all the social skills, so if I don't have anything specific to say to somebody, like I won't go up and just say hi. So like I saw people that I knew, that I made eye contact with, and I just like sort of like sat down and didn't talk to them, and I know that makes me seem like I'm an asshole. But it's just the way that I am. So I want to apologize for anybody that I saw that I didn't come up and talk to. Uh, because I, I don't have any social skills, so I apologize for that. See, I didn't have that experience, man. I And maybe this because you've been to more Philly tournaments and stuff. But I felt like actually like this tournament to me was probably the, the tournament I've been at where I knew the fewest number of people. Like I... Especially that I knew well, right? Cause well, like, there were a lot of people that traveled from far away, and that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it was it, almost like um, like a Grand Prix that's not near, like Louisville or Las Vegas or something, Seattle. Yeah. Where, you know, the locals, you don't know. And then a lot of the people that travel, you don't know because you're not really close to your area. Like, a, you know, a Boston Grand Prix or whatever, you know a lot more people. Mm-hmm. But it had that sort of feel to it where the the vast majority of people I'd never seen before. But that was cool, too, because everybody was nice and everything. But I didn't really have that experience that you're talking about. So Okay. But that, it was cool because it's like, wow, there can be 400 people at a East Coast Legacy event, and I only know, like, 20 of them or whatever. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah, like, yeah. th- there's a lot more people playing Legacy, and there were even you know new blood. Like my Dreadnought opponent said that he'd started playing. He never played Legacy during the Death Ray days, is because I had a Death Ray play map. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I missed the Death Ray time. I got in in 2018 or whatever it was, 2019. I was like, wow, there's people that got into Legacy in 2019. That's wild. It absolutely is. But yeah, bro, this is this is a long one, so I feel like I should stop rambling. But it was an awesome weekend, man. Thank you, uh, thank you, everybody, Robert, Hackbert, uh, everybody. I'm sure that I'm forgetting other people, and I'm sorry, but uh, it was just an all-around great time. And thank you, Tom, for uh, shuttling us around and doing a lot of the planning because I was just sort of like along for the ride i felt well but, i i was super pumped that you were there because it's been a while and uh and i had a great time and it wouldn't have been that way if you weren't there so so thanks for yeah, coming bro. and yeah, everybody we, who i got to hang out with it was like that was such a great weekend um, yeah we hit our groove like right away too or at least from my perspective i guess it took you a little while but no i just I, had to wake up because you said some things that like normally i'd be like all right that's funny <laughs> but I thought you were being serious, and I, I pulled, like, the, well, wait a minute. And you were like, no, dude, I'm just fucking with you. And I'm like, oh, okay. oh what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a very uh, cynical, dry humor or whatever, I guess. But <sighs> All right, but, bro. But, yeah, have a good night. Everybody who I saw, yeah, thank you. For everybody who said, like, they love the cast, thank you for humoring us. We really appreciate <laughs> it. And, uh yeah, I can't wait to do that again. When's the fucking Lex- next Legacy event? Exactly. We'll, we'll find, find out. out. We'll see you all there. Hopefully, uh, yeah. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> um, and I, there was one other thing. Fuck, I just lost it. Oh, well. Fuck it. Next time. Oh, sorry to Nate Golia. We'll get your episode out next week. Eventually. Yo, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah, it's, uh, we had to raid, and I had to, I had to get home and do this guy. Nate, we love you. It's coming out. 